Amen. Wow, this has been a wonderful service. I love the worship and uh, the special song that Sadith has shared with us. And I believe that <clears throat> God is here uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's already been speaking to us and softening our hearts. Because I believe that he wants to always, he's always after healing our souls. And um, I've been talking about, for these last several weeks, been talking about taking care of our souls because um, Jesus was wounded so that we might be healed. And uh, he is the one that is able to apply his comfort, his mercy, his life into the depths of our hearts, into our deepest pain. And so today's message is about God's comfort in grief and loss. And um, I think it's a topic that we all have faced, or we all will face, or we are facing even right now. And it's not to be taken lightly, but I think these verses that we just read today are some of the most profound uh, passages in the Bible. And they're often quoted. In fact, I turn to these passages all the time when I am suffering with grief and loss. Or if I'm helping a family to go through grief and loss, oftentimes these passages will be spoken at a funeral. And why? Why is it? It's because Jesus, at this moment in his life, has just met with his disciples, the Last Supper, and now he's encouraging them in the face of the tragedy that they're about to, about to encounter. He's going to die. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die the most horrific death in front of them. And they're going to have to cope with that tragedy. And so he speaks these words of life into them. And yet, the gospel account is so honest and so authentic that it shows when Jesus speaks these words to them, they're not getting it. And a lot of times when we're going through grief and loss, we're, we're kind of confused. There's times when we, we don't know why this has happened to somebody that we love. And so there's a, a confusion that happens. There's a, a blanket of sorrow and grief that just envelops us. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or how great your faith is. It will impact you. Some of you have experienced this and you've turned to the Lord in a time of grief and God has been there to help you and comfort you. I think about the disciples here and when they're going through this, they've already seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead in chapter 11 of John. They've already seen Jesus weep at the grave of Lazarus. And uh, Jesus is touched with the feelings of grief and loss that his disciples and that his friends are going through. It's the same way that Jesus feels towards us in our losses, in our struggles. He has that type of compassion for us. Sometimes we don't understand it, Sometimes we don't sense it because in our grief and our loss, we're asking why. Why did this happen? And Jesus is saying, this is how I'm going to get you through this. So a lot of times he doesn't answer the question why, but he will 
help you to get through it. So in this passage here, the disciples are being told by Jesus, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus is saying, I'm going, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And this life is not the end of all things. Death is a bridge to eternity. And I'm going back to eternity, back to heaven, and I am preparing a place for you And it's going to be a place that is the most wonderful place that you could possibly ever be because you're going to be with me. And the disciples are questioning this and they're saying, uh, and Jesus says, you know, you know the place where I'm going, don't you? Because he's saying, I am God. Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? See, Thomas is... Again, one of those skeptical, analytical people that's just not grasping the spiritual or the symbolism there. And so he's, you know, Lord, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean you're going away? Where are you going? There's no way, Jesus. You're only 33 years old. How could you leave us at this time when you've been doing so many wonderful things in so many people's lives and your ministry is just starting out? And so Jesus begins to tell them, I'm going away and the reason I'm going away is for you. And Jesus often would tell them, The reason I came was to die for your sins. And yet, they're not getting it. They're not getting that Jesus' actual sacrifice is going to be the best thing for them. A lot of times, we don't get things in grief. We don't get things in our losses. And a person's life can be really shut down to the things of God. Why? Because one of the stages of grief is anger. We get angry. We get angry at God. We get angry at ourselves. Maybe we could have done something to prevent somebody else from dying. All sorts of questions and things go through our minds. But Jesus says this one statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's as if Jesus is saying, guys, I want you to wrap your heads around this that death is not the final stopping place. That there is a relationship with the Father. And if you can understand that, it will help you through your grief and loss. And so then Jesus goes on in the next three chapters. If you read chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 of of the Gospel of John, these next four chapters, you're going to see that Jesus specifically walks them through how they're going to get through the tragedies of life. And it's through the power and the presence and the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And He is not in any way diminishing the grief and the pain that they're going to bear here in, on this life. He's not diminishing that in any way. 
But he's saying, I am going to be with you in it. I'm going to be with you through it. Probably one of the first times that somebody very close to me passed away that I did not expect it to happen. I was in ministry in, uh, in Newark, and uh, a fellow staff member and I became very close friends. Uh, Frank grew up in uh, Wichita, Kansas. He grew up in the inner city. He was African-American. He was a large fellow, very muscular, but short. When he played basketball, he was like a cannonball when he went to the rim. And you got out of his way. But we had great times playing basketball, working with young people, um, leading teens and others to Christ. And um, Frank was, became a good friend of our family. We'd have him over for dinner. Uh, afterwards, we'd play uh, spades, cards. And uh, it was just a great time. We had a great fellowship. And we knew him for a couple years. And in fact, one time, Lori was driving back from uh, shopping at a grocery store. And uh, she had our two boys. At that time, they were ages of uh, two years old and about six months old. And she had them in the back seat. They were strapped in their car seats and everything. And as she's pulling onto our street, all of a sudden, there is smoke that is coming out of the car. But it's not coming out of the engine. It's coming through the AC and underneath uh, where the wiring is underneath the, uh, the steering wheel. And the smoke is getting worse. And it just ha so happened that it happened right at the corner of where our ministry center was. And Frank was on the second floor just looking out the window, just happened to be looking out the window. And Lori pulled right in front of the center. And she was frantic to get out the kids out of the car. And she grabbed uh, uh, our oldest one and got him out. But she couldn't get out my, my youngest son, Jason. And Frank. He saw what was happening, and this guy was always a man of action and <laughs> real quick thinking. He lived life, life like he played basketball. And so um, he looked out the window, he saw the fire, and he saw the smoke, he uh, grabbed a fire extinguisher that was in our ministry center, he hopped down the stairs within a couple seconds, he opened up the door, he blew out the fire, or, or he grabbed our, our son first, he got our youngest son out, and he actually saved his life. And we became even closer friends after that. I mean, uh, it was amazing of what he did for us. But then Frank hit some personal problems and some family problems back home in Wichita. And so he said, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going back to my hometown. And I remember the day that he told me that. I just, in my heart, I just felt, this is not right. You know, I don't know if this is the right thing for you to do. And I remember him leaving, and Lori and I, we just wept. I mean, we really cried. It was like we lost somebody. It was like, it, and it was a loss. It was a close friendship that we lost. But it was, to the degree of our weeping, it was, it was just really something spiritual. There was a lot of grief there, too. Well, a few months later, Lori has this dream. And she wakes up, and in the morning she tells me, she says, Al, I had a dream about Frank, and he was laughing, and only Frank could fill a room with his laughter. I mean, it was, it was a laugh that would just fill a room. And he was laughing, and he was so happy, and I said to him, 
I, and Lori said in her dream, she said, Frank, you're finally home. You're home, Frank. He goes, yeah, I'm finally home. I'm finally home. And then she woke up. We got a call, literally, uh, after Lori told me this story, about a half an hour later, we got a call from our director. And he says, we're having a staff meeting. Everybody come. We're having a staff meeting. And there he told us, Frank Anderson has died. And we said, what happened to him? Frank had been at his house, living at his sister's house. A drug dealer had come by demanding money from his sister. His sister was selling drugs at the time or doing something illegal. And uh, the guy pulled out a gun and Frank ran in front to stop him and the guy shot him right in the head. Killed him. And uh, you know what comforted me? at that time were these verses from John chapter 14 that I've gone to prepare a place for you that there is a home in heaven but also was Lori's dream that Frank was there you know and I just so believe when you're in Christ to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and this is one of the foundations, one of the foundations of our faith. And when we know it, when we understand it, it can be a way that God helps us deal with our grief and with our sorrow. There was two uh, psychologists, uh, Dr. Ross and Dr. Keebler, they um, actually developed five stages of grief that everybody goes through. And I don't know what everybody's going through here, but maybe you've gone through some of these stages in your, with yourself, or maybe um, you're going through them right now. Uh, the first one is denial. And in our gospel story, you see this, the disciples all through the gospel so, story, they're in denial. Jesus, no, you're not going to die. There's no way you're going to die. We're not going to let you die. And so uh, they're kind of in this denial that nothing's going to happen to Jesus. But denial is a very real thing. Uh, it has ways of uh, entering into our life. We, get, we struggle. We're confused. We're wondering why God allows things to happen. And uh, sometimes we're not accepting of what could happen to us or our loved ones. But in John 16, 6 and 7... Jesus understood this, and he talked to his disciples and said, you're so filled with grief because I've said these things, but, very, but truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the one who's going to walk beside you will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus continued to point the disciples back to dependence upon the Holy Spirit in their times of grief in their times of turmoil, in their times of loss. Another stage of grief, and sometimes these can happen in order, but a lot of times they don't. They go back and forth. Anger. Do you remember what happens when Jesus is arrested? Peter takes out his sword. No way. He gets angry. Cuts off the servant's ear. A lot of times, anger is a response that we have when God takes somebody from us. Or when God allows something difficult to happen. 
Bargaining is something else that happens. We begin to talk with ourselves or even talk with God. If I was just there, I could have prevented this from happening. Why wasn't I there? I remember when my father passed away, I left. I was going to leave on Sunday after service, but I didn't. I left on Monday afternoon. My dad died on Monday morning at like one in the morning. And I always remember, I said, man, I could have been there. It was one of the things that I, I wanted to be there for my dad when he passed away. And I wasn't able to be there. But there's a lot of things. Sometimes we blame ourselves for what happened. All these things go on in a life of grief. Sometimes we get depressed. Oftentimes, another stage of this is depression. Peter, after Jesus dies, you see Peter, he's weeping bitterly. He goes back. He says, I'm going to go back and go fishing. He leaves you know, this thing of ministry, and he goes back and he, he takes up his old occupation, a fisherman. And Jesus meets him there. The wonderful thing is Jesus goes after us in all these stages of grief. The Holy Spirit comes even in the midst of all those things. And finally, if we walk with God and we allow time to heal our grief, there comes an acceptance. There's still change. It doesn't mean we forget about our loved ones or that you know it's just wonderful and happy and roses all over, but God brings us through the change to we're accepted. We accept it and then we move on with our lives and God gives us other opportunities to love people and to be a part of his plan. Well, you know, um, today, many of you know uh, Lena Wong and the Wong family. And 15 years ago, they went through a real tragedy of losing, David and Lena lost their son and and the family lost lost their brother, Andy. And uh, Lena is uh, gonna come and share just how God has been helping her and uh, helping the family, but also what, how she got through this, this tragedy and how their family got through this. So uh, I, I want you to, uh, Lena, can you come up and, and share with us now? I think God oftentimes brings people around us in our darkest times, and that's one way that He speaks to us. And uh, I think I, I remember those days. There was, it was, um, we were in the midst of 40 days of prayer and fasting in our church, and uh, it started on. Uh, September 1st, and Andy fell ill, I think, right around there. And then uh, we were just praying for the family. And um, we, all, we all sensed that God was going to heal Andy. In fact, he uh, opened up his eyes. He uh, was starting to respond even uh, in the hospital room when we would pray with him, when we talk with him. He was responding some way. And uh, many ways we thought, and he said, uh, you know, I think we, we all thought well, maybe the Lord came to him and said, well, do you want to go? You want to stay? And I think he showed him what heaven was like. And Andy said, I'm leaving. I'm going. And I'll be waiting for you. And uh, we all had that sense that God was still in control 
Um, but it was a very hard time. It was a very hard time. Um, Jesus says uh, in this passage, he says, I'll ask the Father in the same chapter that we're in. He said, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate. And that word means paraclete. It means somebody to come alongside you, to comfort you, to help you, and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. And I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And that is the promise that each one of us has. But there's a, as Lena said, it's a two-way response. We need to respond to the Lord. And um, God is very gracious. He's pouring his love out on us every day. A lot of times we're not aware of it, but we need, just need to respond to him. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward as I close. And we're going uh, to close with the song, Lord, I Need You. Is that what we're singing, Marie? Okay. So as they come forward, why don't we just pray and ask the Lord uh, to help us right now. Why don't we all stand together? Father, we thank you for your words to us today. We thank you for the life testimony of the Wong family. Lord, we thank you for the way that you have spoken your word and your promises into our life. And Lord, we thank you the way that you're with us in our grief and our losses. You're with us in every stage that we go through. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can just come to you in our deepest needs and allow you to have your way. So, Lord, today we just come with open hearts, surrendered hearts. And, Lord, we say, Lord, I need you. I need you. So do your work through the power of your Holy Spirit in each of our lives, through the fellowship and the love of our friends and family around us. Lord, do the work and open our eyes to see your hand of comfort and mercy in our lives every day. We pray this in Jesus' name.